Let's pray. Father, thank you for being so good to us, and thank you for all that you are and all that you have done. Father, we pray as we would study your word today, you would speak to us in a new way. Father, may my message be clear. May it be from you and you only. May we hear it, and may we apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So since we uh, do kind of have an odd Sunday here where we had a combined services and uh, people can't get out because of the snow, we are actually live streaming part of our service today online for those who are stuck at home. Now, let me explain that to some of you. That means they can get on their computer and they can watch this right now, live. And so we anticipate, because uh, at least my mom's watching, that other people are are on here and they're watching. People who couldn't make it today because they're snowed in are, are there. But the thing about it is, theoretically, someone from the other side of the world could get on right now, for some reason look up our church, and they could be watching this too. And it's amazing how interconnected we all are. With one click of a button, you can interact with someone time zones away. People very rarely use their phones for actual phone calls, and yet they still are able to connect with people all the time through social media in different ways. We are as connected today, as far as the world's concerned, as we have ever been. And yet study after study after study also shows that now is the time that, more than any part in history, people feel alone. So how can we be as connected, theoretically, as we are throughout the world, and yet so many people feel like they're by themselves? The idea of connection is actually at the heart of so much of what we do. There's something that's inside of all of us, whether we grew up in a church or whether we didn't, that desires connection. And time after time, study after study, what you see is basically a conclusion that people desire to be connected to two things. They desire to be connected to something to believe in, and they desire to be connected to people to live alongside. They desire, now, something to believe in, it might not be God. It might not be a God. It might just be a cause or something, excuse me, something bigger than themselves. But they want to be connected to something that gives them purpose. And then even the most introverted person still wants one or two people, at least, to be close to them so that they can do life together, so they have someone around them that gives them love and gives them support. Even secular people looking into this have come up with this. It's, we want something bigger than ourselves, and we want some people to go along with us. And what's ironic is when you read Scripture, you find out that that was kind of how we were wired. In Matthew 22, the teachers of the law are trying to corner Jesus. They're trying to get him to slip up so they can arrest him. And in Matthew 22, verse 34, the Sadducees have failed. They've tried and tried and tried to trick Jesus into saying something, and he hasn't done it. It's kind of hard to trick God into saying something wrong. And so they're not able to do it. And so the Pharisees decide they're going to try to give it a shot. Verse 34, it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He asked this question because there is literally one answer. And if Jesus gives anything besides this one answer, he is a liar, he is a heretic, and he can be killed. Jesus replied, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, the Pharisees are going to be upset because that was definitely the correct answer. They, once again, could not get Jesus to say something that was wrong. But you notice here, what are the people searching for? Something to believe in and people to go alongside. And yet, here we see Jesus say the greatest commandments for us is to love the Lord your God. Something to believe in and to love your neighbor as yourself. People to go alongside. You see, it's almost as if the Bible knows what it's talking about. It's almost as if we were created to have a relationship with God, but to do it with others. And we understand that this is the call in our lives. When we read Scripture, we find that this is how we are supposed to live. The problem, though, is figuring out how to do this. Figuring out how do we connect to God and how do we connect with each other. You see, there was a point where this all worked. Genesis 1, Genesis 2. We don't quite know how long that time lasted, but it did last for a little bit because we were able to record it. There was a time where man, Adam and Eve, walked and talked with God. They saw eye to eye. There was nothing that inhibited their relationship. There was a point where Adam and Eve were in perfect harmony with each other, in perfect unity with each other. There was nothing that was separating them at all. And then... Genesis 3 happens. And as Genesis 3 happens, Adam and Eve go and they listen to the serpent and they take a bite of the fruit. And immediately, that connection with God is disrupted. Immediately, they feel like they have to go and they have to make these clothes because they realize they're naked. And they realize this and they say, well, we, we can't look at God like this. We can't be seen by God like this. So they go and they hide themselves. And you see what sin does is sin makes you feel like you've got to hide something from God, which means that your relationship is not, not, no longer open and honest and beautiful. This relationship with God is fractured. More than fractured, it's broken. The Bible describes it as a giant chasm that now exists between man and God because God cannot be around sin. But that wasn't the only relationship that was ruined. What is the first thing that happens? God says, did you eat from this tree? Knowing full well that they did. And what does the man do? The man says, the woman that you put here with me. So this is partly your fault too. You put her here with me and she did it. All of a sudden we have a bit of tension. And man has been blaming other people for their mistakes ever since. Don't you think that probably never went away, right? I mean, 50 years down the line, Adam's going to say, Hey, Eve, you want to go out on a day? And she'll hey, remember when you threw me under the bus in front of God? No. And this is just the way that it goes. All of a sudden, there's hate and there's anger. One generation of humans, one kills another. Connection is completely broken. And yet, here we are, so many thousand years later, in New Concord, Zanesville, Norwich, whatever you want to describe this church as, we're just kind of here. And we we say we want to connect. We want to be a church that connects. Well, how do we do that? How do we love God and love each other like we're supposed to? Let's just take the first one. How do we connect with God? 
the truth of the matter is this has been a question that people have tried to ask time and time again. People have created religious texts to try and say this is how you are supposed to live your life. These are the sets of rules that you need to follow. This is it. Maybe it's creeped into part of our Christianity, hasn't it? It's creeped into our Christianity point where we say, well, as long as the, at the end of the day the good outweighs the bad, I think I'm okay. We don't go to some people and talk to them about Jesus. Why? Because they're a good person. And surely because they're a good person, God will see that. Maybe we've just decided that our faith is the faith of our wife or a husband, or a mom and our dad, and we've never really made it ourselves, but you know what, that's good enough to connect us to God. Faith by proximity is good enough to connect me to God. But the reality of the situation is none of these things get us to where we need to be in order to love God and truly connect with Him. Look at Colossians 1, verse 15 through 19. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So let's imagine for a moment, there's a lot of dating websites out there and you get to imagine, you get to look for certain characteristics in somebody. Let's imagine that there's one for uh, relating yourself to God, okay? And so you look up and you're going to try to figure out today which God you want to follow, right? And you want to make sure that you're compatible though. You want to make sure that you fit in. And so you get and you read that this is who Jesus is, in him, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Which means everything that we see, and even more that we don't, he created. And he is over all powers, rulers, authorities. Everything is created through him and for him. He's before all things, which means he existed before them. And he holds all things together. He is in control of everything. Not only that, he is the head of this thing called the church which lasts forever. He is the beginning uh, he, he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. And in everything, he has the supremacy. Now, if you are trying to say, I qualify to have a relationship with this God because of how good I am, you're a little off. You're not really that compatible. You have the one who is better than anything to compare yourself to. All of a sudden, how good you are doesn't connect you to God. And maybe how wicked everybody else is doesn't connect you to God. And all of a sudden, your family heritage doesn't connect you to God. What you realize is a God this big, I really don't deserve to be around him. I really don't deserve to have a relationship with him. I really don't. I can't have this relationship. And you know what? This is what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that we cannot, through our own efforts, have a relationship with God. But thank goodness for all of us, Paul doesn't stop there. 
God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. But verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. God was so pleased that Jesus was fully God and yet he still died for you and me. Break down this ver- these verses, you see that Jesus does create us the first time. He makes us, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, uniquely made, but that means that eventually sin creeps into our life. And because sin creeps into our life, we are separated from God. And what the Bible then tells us is that because he was fully God and because he was everything that we see here and more, and yet he still died a sinner's death, then when we accept him as our Savior, we are then recreated again for a relationship with him. He reconciled to himself all things. He made the way. We cannot do anything to connect with God, but He has done everything to be with us. You see, it is the blood of Jesus that connects us to God. It is only from God that we are able to have a relationship with Him. The Bible tells us that we love because He first loved us. And so, how do we keep that first commandment? To Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How do we do that? We do it because we are so astounded by the fact that God loved us so much that He did this. That we have no other response but the loving back. That we say, I, can, I cannot fathom that you did this. I cannot fathom that I am worth this to you. And yet, what the Bible tells us is that God set, and this is what we talked a lot about in small groups this week, that God set Jesus out before all of creation to say, if this goes wrong, and it probably will because we have free will, I'm sending you. And yet God still saw it worthwhile to create mankind, and he still saw it worthwhile to create me and in you, knowing what we would do to him so that we would have a relationship with him forever. It is the blood of Jesus that connects us to God. Not anything of our own doing. And so how do we connect here at East 40 with God? That's why every single week when we come together here on Sunday morning, we do three things. We worship, we take communion, and we teach from the word of God. I thought about putting, we worship, we have communion, and we listen for the Word of God, but I know that might not apply to all of us. So at least there's teaching. Somebody is teaching at some point. Whether it's listening, that's up to you. But this is what we have every week. You see, worship unites us. It says, I believe that you are exactly who you say you are. And these words that I'm singing to you are an outpouring of thanks to you. We do communion, as Steve talked about in his communion meditation, every week to remind us, Jesus really did this. And because he really did this, we get to have a relationship with him. And we teach from the Word of God every week, not so that we can go home with a checklist on how to be good, but as a reminder that as a result of what God did for us, this is what we get to do. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, 
as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You know, some people get into the, the, the they trick themselves thinking that church attendance equals closeness with God. But you can be here and not be thankful. You can be here and not be thankful. What does Paul say? The reason that we do all these things is not as a checklist, but we do all of them because we are so thankful for what Jesus did for us. It is an outpouring of thanks that God did what he said he was going to do and that he loves us so much that he gave us his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is why we do what we do. And so it is the blood of Jesus that connects us to God. But that was just one part of the equation. Remember, you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And we remember that Jesus defines your neighbor as everyone. And so how do we do that? Well, once again, we have looked and we have searched, and people have made million dollars telling you how to make friends and influence people. People have made millions of dollars coming up with how to have the best relationship, how to have the best marriage, how to fit in with other people. And so we go out and we make friends based on mutual interest, and we make friends based on our life stage, and let's be honest, we make friends because we have a common enemy. We, we make friends, and we have this that unites us. But the question I have for you is, how deep and personal can a relationship be when the only thing you have in common is your love for Ohio State. I mean, it's great. It's fine. And it unites us together. But I doubt that you're ever going to pray with someone over Ohio State. Now, you might. That's actually... Back where I come from, I think there are more prayers during UK games than there are, like, any other time of the week. But how deep of a relationship really can you have your mutual interest of this, that, or the other. How, how deep can your relationship actually get? Or this life stage that you're in, what happens when that life stage is over? And all of a sudden, the thing that united you doesn't unite you anymore, and you find out that you really don't have that much in common. Think about your friend groups. Think about, now some of you can go back a whole lot farther than others, but think about your friend groups now. And think about them five years ago, and ten years ago, and fifteen years ago. Those of us who were far removed from high school, remember how you told each other that you would always keep in touch and that nothing would ever get in your way? Where are they now? You wouldn't know if they weren't on Facebook. Because our friendships change, because we base them on things that change. And so how do we connect to each other? Well, Colossians has already told us. Paul says, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Which means the relationship that we were designed for has to start with Christ. Philippians 2 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from His love, any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and one of mind. It shouldn't come as a surprise that the thing that connects us to God is what connects us to each other. The thing that makes it possible for us to have the best relationship we can with God is the thing that makes it possible for us to have the best relationship we can with each other, and that's the blood of Jesus. Notice what Paul says. 
He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Basically, if you have reaped the benefits of a relationship with God, then get along. Right? Then get along. He says, have one spirit, one, be like-minded, have the same love, being one spirit, and of one mind. In other words, if you believe Jesus did this for you, then you have to understand that he did, did this for each other, and that means that you should all be on the same page. Ecclesiastes 4, it says, two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Here's the cord of three strands. It's how much I'm able to do. It's how much you're able to do. And I hate to tell you about yourself, but also about me. I have a limitation. And you have a limitation. Which means if the only thing that binds us together is mutual interest or what you and I can do for each other, there is going to be a time in which neither one of those strands can hold up what's happening and it will fall apart. And so Solomon says a quarter of three strands is not quickly broken because that third strand says that when you are weak, I am strong. That third strand is Jesus. It holds us together and binds us together. And when times get tough, it is what sustains the relationship that you have with me. That's why so many of us come from so many different backgrounds. And we have so many different preferences. And yet I can call you a brother in Christ and a sister in Christ because of Jesus. Not because of me and not because of you, but because of Jesus. And so this is how we connect. How do we stay connected? Philippians 2 continues. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on an earth and under earth. (coughs) And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so if, if Jesus is what connects us, the blood of Jesus is what connects us, then how do we sustain that relationship? We do it by being like Jesus. Your Sunday school answer actually works here. We do it by being like Jesus. How do we be like Jesus? We, well, the Bible says that even though he was God, he never used that to his own advantage next time that you're interested in reading scripture go through the gospels and make a note of every time that if you were God you would have done something different than Jesus make a note of what he deserved to do and notice what he actually did do 
He, cons- he was fully God, and yet he never used that to his advantage. He took the nature of a servant, the God of the universe, that God we talked about earlier that is so much better and bigger than we are, decided to be a servant. And he gave up being who he was and became fully God and fully man at the same time. Think about the demotion that is. God of the universe gets to do whatever he wants. Born in a manger, not a palace, to a carpenter, and he has to grow up in Nazareth, which is not where anyone wants to come from. And so that's a demotion, right? And yet Jesus takes another demotion and he lives a life of perfection only to take the death of the worst of humans. And he did it for us. You see, what keeps us connected is you and I loving other people like Jesus. It's putting their interest above our own. It's being sacri- living sacrificially so that they can reap the benefit. And it's all for the same purpose that Jesus came here for. We do what we do for each other so that their relationship with God can strengthen and grow. We don't want to be a stumbling block. We don't want to hold them up. We want to make sure that we are doing everything in our power to help them be who God created them to be. Proverbs 17, 17 says, friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. We need each other. And so how do we do that here? We do that here by providing opportunities for you to rub shoulders, enter conversations, and serve with others in a Christian atmosphere. We do it because that's, we don't just have church to have church. We do it so that you can show up and be like, wow, other people believe this too. Because just living in the world, I I really didn't think there was anyone like me. We give it opportunities for you to just stand out there and talk in the foyer before, or let's be real, after service and get to know each other. Ask each other how you're doing. We offer opportunities like Sunday school classes and small groups so that you get to meet people who had different backgrounds than you may have completely nothing in common except you have Jesus and that is good enough. We believe Matthew 18, 20, when Jesus says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with you. We believe that when we get together, Jesus is there, and so we provide opportunities for you and I to get together. This morning, I, connection is important. And I think this is why. Connection is so important because at some point, Someone, or maybe even yourself, is going to ask the question, why are you doing this? Someone's going to ask you, why are you doing this? Why do you go to church? Why do you believe in God? Why are you friends with that person? Why do you hang out with them? And let's think about the answers that we can give. Because if the answer isn't because Jesus then it's not good enough. Think about your faith. Why do you go to church? Well, I just always went to church. Well, not like a very good answer, does it? And you're going to convince yourself more than you convince that other person. Maybe, maybe this just isn't for me. I mean, if this is all I'm going here for, 
Or why do you hang out with these people? And you say, because we're the church. They're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Or you say, uh, I mean, we just get together and we hang out. And I mean, we like motorcycles. There's that. And that doesn't sound like a very good reason to hold on to a relationship, does it? If all you do is hang out and the only thing that holds you together is a motorcycle. But if what holds you together is Jesus, that's a good reason. If what holds together your faith is Jesus, that's a good reason because this is who Jesus is. Going back to verse 10 in Philippians that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's who Jesus is. And I used to wonder why every knee would bow. Did he make everyone's knee bow? But I think there's going to be a time where Jesus is revealed to us and the only reaction that we have is to get down on our knees and say, you are who you said you were. You are Lord. You are. And even his most staunch enemy is going to get on his knees and say, you are that God. And so this morning, I want to let you know that if you're trying to connect with God, or if you're trying to connect with each other in any way that's not Jesus, you're going to be exhausted. Because what it's going to come down to is you trying on your own, and what the Bible tells us is that you can't do it. You see, it's only through the blood of Christ that we connect with God and that we connect with the church. He's the only way. And so this morning, if you're trying to connect with God in any other way, I need to tell you, you'll never get there. But the beautiful thing is the offering that we give every Sunday is that you come in and say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that He is Lord. The benefit that we have is we get to do that now. That we get to make that decision in our lifetime now. And so this morning, if that is you, I invite you to come forward. We're going to play one more song and we're going to invite you to come. And this is a new song and it may not be familiar to you. And so if it's not familiar, we just ask that you look at the words and realize that this is, this is the truth. The song talks to us about how our victory is not anything that we did, but it's what God did for us. And so if you have a decision this morning that says, I believe that Jesus is this, I'm tired of doing things on my own, I want Him in my life, then we invite you to come forward. The blood of Jesus is what purifies us from sin and what holds us together. And so I pray this morning that you would not leave here without it. Father, we thank you for dying on the cross for us. We thank you for sending Jesus. And we thank you that we have the promise that if his blood is over us, then we are free of guilt and free of accusation and that we have new life in you. And so, Father, I pray today that we would be reminded of that. Maybe this is old news to us, but it's never not good news. It's always good news. You have done this for us. You have saved us. You have made us whole. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here today that needs that reassurance that they would not leave here without it, that you loved us so much that you still created us knowing that we would mess up and yet you sent Jesus so that we could have a relationship with you. Father, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's be standing as we sing that.